This episode of Weird Darkness is brought to you by the Nocturnal Readers Box. If you love horror and sci-fi, the Nocturnal Readers Box is for you. Two novels every month delivered directly to your door, along with horror or sci-fi-themed bookmarks, art pieces, and more. Visit thenocturnalreadersbox.com, subscribe before the end of this month, and get the July Box themed Your Greatest Fears, featuring items inspired by James Herbert, Edgar Allan Poe, Shirley Jackson, Clive Barker, Ramsey Campbell, and more. Plus, they've extended your opportunity for a few more days to grab the exclusive special edition of Salem's Lot by Stephen King. So rare, it's only available at thenocturnalreadersbox.com, a must-have for any Stephen King fan or horror collector. Get 15% off your first six-month subscription by using the promo code WEIRD15. That's all one word, WEIRD15. Sign up now at thenocturnalreadersbox.com. That's thenocturnalreadersbox.com. Or click the link in the show notes. Welcome, Weirdos! This is a special Weekend Archive episode of Weird Darkness. Here you'll find stories of the paranormal, supernatural, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. If you have a dark tale to tell, you can share it with me at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. And be sure to subscribe if you've not done so already so you don't miss future uploads. And if you're already a fan of the show, please help spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by leaving a rating and review of the podcast in the app that you listen from, and also share a link to this episode with a couple of your friends and on your social media, and thanks in advance for doing so. Now, bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weekend archives of Weird Darkness. Nature has a funny way of telling us there is still a lot we don't know about the world around us. The Old Man of the Lake is a mysterious tree trunk that has defied the laws of physics for 120 years. Floating in Crater Lake, the deepest lake in the United States, one can say the 30-foot-long tree trunk is not very eye-catching at first sight, but it has sparked the imagination of many people nevertheless. It was discovered in 1896 by Joseph Diller, a geologist and explorer who extensively studied Crater Lake at the time. Diller was fascinated by the old man of the lake and described it as a spectacle curious enough to excite the imagination. The first written account of the old man appeared in 1902, the year Crater Lake was named a national park. The old man's curious behavior resulted in several scientific studies. The tree trunk can travel miles in a single day. One day it can be close to the shore, and the next day it's in the middle of the lake. In the 1930s, the government commissioned a study of his movements. In their Log of the Log, 
Rangers observed the old man move more than 60 miles in less than three months. This was not a very good idea, though. In the 1980s, Mark Buktensia, an aquatic ecologist for the National Park in southern Oregon, was part of a submarine exploration of Crater Lake. To avoid running into the old man out in the water, they tied him up on the shore. Bad idea. It wasn't long after he was tied up that a storm blew in. Buktensia recalled, and the surface of the lake got too rough for us to deploy and recover the submarine. When it started to snow in August, superstition got the best of the scientists. Our senior scientists went out quietly one evening and released the old man from his bondage, he said. And wouldn't you know it, the weather cleared up right afterwards. What is truly intriguing about the old man of the lake is that the tree trunk has been floating upright ever since, standing about 1.2 meters or 4 feet tall above the surface. You would think that the 4 foot above the water would act as a little sail, but sometimes he'll move all the way across the lake against the wind," Buktensia said. Though the old man in the lake has been floating in southern Oregon's Crater Lake National Park for at least the past 120 years, carbon dating suggests that it is at least 450 years old. Crater Lake has been the subject of Native American legends and several spooky stories. A Native American legend tells that an epic battle occurred one night in southern Oregon 7,700 years ago. Standing atop Mount Mazama, spurned by the daughter of a local chief, Lao, god of the underworld, spit magma and shot superheated steam miles into the sky. Skell, god of the world above, fought back by pitching pyroclastic fireballs from California's Mount Shasta, blowing the massive summit of Mount Mazama to bits. By dawn, Lao was driven back underground. Skell honored the victory by filling the massive caldera with water, creating Oregon's Crater Lake. Since then, strange stories have hovered above the area like a chilly northwest fog. People have spotted ghostly campfires on uninhabited Wizard Island, and visitors to Crater Lake Lodge still tell stories of eerie occurrences in the night. Crater Lake is some 592 meters or 1,943 feet deep, making it the deepest in the United States and the ninth deepest lake in the world. What makes Crater Lake different is the fact how relatively empty it is. According to the U.S. National Park Service, fish are not native to the lake, and the species that exist there now were introduced between 1888 and 1941. Six species were originally introduced, but only two have survived – rainbow trout and kokanee salmon. Crater Lake's clean, cold water is responsible for preserving the tree trunk in such good condition. But why does it defy the laws of physics? Scientists think the higher density of the submerged part is keeping it balanced. Basic physics states that a floating object of uniform density will always have its center of mass as being higher than its center of buoyancy. That means a long log will float with its axis in a horizontal orientation and a short log will float vertically. The old man is 9 meters long, 30 feet, with a diameter of about 61 centimeters or 2 feet. This suggests it should be floating horizontally, but it doesn't. Instead, it floats vertically. 
Why this is the case remains unknown. There are some theories. One possibility is that when the tree slid into the lake more than a century ago, rocks had become tangled up in its roots. But there are no rocks there now, so it seems the theory does not explain the old man's behavior. All across the world, there are a number of natural formations that defy physics. Another example is an intriguing structure that can be found in India, known as Krishna's Butterball or the Mysterious Stone of Sky God. This 250-ton rock stands on less than a four-foot base. How is it possible? Maybe Albert Einstein was right when he said the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the source of all true art and science. One night, when I was 12 years old, I had left my bedroom window open all night as our house didn't have any kind of air conditioning and it was very warm. At around 2 in the morning, I heard a very loud, husky voice speak to me. I looked out of the window but saw absolutely nobody out there. I remember thinking that I was just dreaming. The next day, I woke up very late in the afternoon and in the hospital. My parents said they found me unconscious outside on the lawn at four in the morning after hearing a loud bang. The bang they'd heard was me jumping off the shed. The funny thing is, is that there is no way to get on the roof of the shed without a ladder, and we did not have one. I told them what I had heard but they didn't believe me and said that I was making up a story to cover the fact that I had tried to kill myself. I was allowed home about a week later and was put on medication. That night, I woke up unable to breathe. My little brother, who was six at the time, came to my room because he had heard noises. He walked in and screamed, Intruder! My parents then rushed in, but whatever my brother had seen was gone. My parents were again angry, thinking that I was staging something. Two nights later, I heard that low, inaudible voice again. It was like in a movie when a bomb explodes next to a person and they're partly deaf. My parents got up and came to my room with my brother, all covering their ears. They all heard it too. They walked in and were trying to talk to each other but no one could hear anything but that stupid, inaudible voice. They sat down on my bed and my door slammed shut. The voice stopped and everything was eerily quiet. My dad opened the door and almost everything in the house had moved. We moved out of the house a few days later. I haven't had anything happen since. I used to live in a bedsit that a friend had lived in a couple of years earlier. She had moved to another city. She was really into her music, dancing, and playing guitar. One night, I brought a guy I'd just met back to the bedsit. In the morning, he told me he'd woken up and seen a woman dancing through the room. 
He said she had long, blonde hair, but with one side of her head shaved. He told me that she had gone next door. This described my friend perfectly, and since her best friend used to live next door, it also fit that she would be heading next door. I rang her to make sure that she was okay. She was fine, but just a little freaked to hear that her ghost haunted my bedsit. Many years ago, when I still lived with my parents in Ohio, I worked a 20-minute or so bus ride away in a neighboring town. Coming home one evening on a really miserable, cold, and raining winter night, the bus gradually emptied as the passengers got off at each stop. Although my stop certainly wasn't at the end of the line, by the time I pressed the bell and got up and stood by the driver, I noticed the bus was completely empty nobody hiding or lying down in the seats. I had passed them all as I came down the bus. I stood swaying, holding on to the pole and looking back down the empty bus, chatting to the driver. I was the last one to get off. The bus came to a stop outside our house, and I climbed off. But for some reason, I again looked back before leaving, and the bus was still empty. As the doors closed and the bus slowly moved past me, there, sitting two seats behind where I had been sitting, was a little old man, complete with hat on his head. I watched the bus pull away and I still don't know how he got there. He looked as real as anyone else. My mother and I were home alone one day and in different rooms of the house. She was in her bedroom in the attic and I was on the second floor in my room. All of a sudden, my cell phone started to ring and it said, Mom. I picked it up and said, Hey, what's up? Do you need something? I waited for a response, but there was nothing but dead air. A few seconds went by and then I heard a very eerie whisper but I couldn't make out what she was saying. So I said, what, mom, are you okay? Again, there was no response until a few seconds later, I heard a woman whisper, the attic, in a really creepy voice. Then there was static and the phone hang up. It gave me chills. I then went upstairs to check on mom. When I got to the top of the steps, I looked to my right and saw that my mother was on her bed sweating like crazy and gasping for air. She couldn't breathe. She has asthma and she was having an asthma attack at that very moment. I looked through her drawers to find her pump and when I found it, I gave it to her. After a few minutes, she was able to breathe normally again and I asked her if she had just called me before I came upstairs. She said no and gave me a weird look and said, how could I have called you if I couldn't breathe? And besides, my cell phone battery is dead, so it's been off for a few hours. Once again, I got the chills. Who could that have been on the phone telling me to go to the attic? And how could they have known my mother was having an asthma attack at that moment? 
That same day, when I told her about the phone call, she was pretty scared and told me to help her move her furniture and other things to the empty bedroom on the second floor. October, a time for pumpkin patches, autumn celebrations, and of course, Halloween. But it's not all fun and games this time of year. From a horrific fire to a tidal wave of beer, here are seven October events that created ghosts. On October 2, 1942, the RMS Queen Mary accidentally rammed and sank her escort ship, the HMS Curacoa, as she carried over 10,000 troops to Europe. More than 200 men died in the collision, and now Queen Mary staff and visitors reportedly hear strange sounds coming from the ship's bow. The eerie noises include rushing water, tearing metal, and anguished screams. On October 7, 1849, renowned author Edgar Allan Poe died four days after he was discovered deliriously wandering the streets of Baltimore. No one knows how Poe got into that condition or what caused his unexpected death. Though Poe might be gone, some people believe the author still lurks around his former home at 203 North Amity Street. Several people have reportedly felt taps on the shoulder but saw no one when they turned around. One guest was spooked when a window sash appeared to fly across the room and land at his feet. On October 8, 1871, the deadliest wildfire in recorded history swept through Pestigo, Wisconsin. Strong winds stoked what was initially a controlled burn, creating a firestorm with superheated flames reaching 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Many people fled to a nearby river but died of hypothermia in the frigid waters. Those left behind burned alive. All in all, between 1,500 and 2,000 perished in the flames. Legend has it they haunt the area today. Locals tell stories of shadowy figures that drift across streets and roam across the lands that once made up Pestigo. Other tales speak of glowing red lights in the cemetery where many charred victims were buried. At times, a thick blue fog also blankets the area. Paranormal investigation teams have collected several EVPs near the old cemetery. In one, an anguished voice seems to scream, it burns. After a two-day trial, French Queen Marie Antoinette was convicted of high treason and guillotined on October 16, 1793. Legend has it, the infamous Antoinette now haunts the Palace of Versailles. In 1901, two sisters visiting Versailles claimed to have wandered away from their tour group and traveled back in time. One woman reportedly saw Antoinette sketching in a garden, 
and the woman's time-traveling tale soon became known as the Mobley-Jourdain incident. However, Marie didn't just appear to the sisters. Several other visitors have claimed to see the Queen's ghost in the palace gardens. Strangely, the erstwhile monarch has also been spotted at a home in Maine. On October 17, 1814, enormous vats ruptured at London's Moe & Company Brewery and sent nearly 1.5 million liters of beer gushing into the city streets and nearby homes. The wave of beer killed at least eight people, and rumor has it one of them still lurks around the area today. In January 2012, a photo surfaced on the internet. The couple took the photo at Dominion Theater, which now stands on the site of the old brewery. The two speculate that the pale woman behind them is the ghost of Eleanor Cooper, the young barmaid who drowned in the beer flood. On October 20, 1977, a plane carrying rock band Leonard Skinner crashed in a remote forest near Gillsburg, Mississippi. The accident killed three band members, including lead singer Ronnie Van Zant. But is Ronnie really gone? Legend has it Van Zant haunts Freebird Live, a bar and live music venue owned by his widow. According to an article in the Florida Times Union, a staff member left a full bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey on the counter one night but returned the next morning to find it empty. Jack Daniels was one of the musician's favorite drinks. Kristen and other employees believe Ronnie drank the liquor to show them he was still around. King Henry VIII's third wife, Jane Seymour, gave birth to a much-longed-for son on October 12, 1537. Sadly, she died just 12 days later on October 24, 1537. Now the former queen reportedly haunts Hampton Court Palace, searching for the infant she left behind. Jane's former apartments aren't open to the public today. However, some visitors and staff say they've seen the Queen's ghost ascending a set of stairs on the anniversary of Edward's birth. During these annual appearances, Jane reportedly wears white and clutches a candle as she climbs the stairs. The ghostly Queen doesn't interact with the living or seem aware of their presence in any way. She simply walks up the stairs and disappears. Keep listening, there's more Weekend Archives of Weird Darkness coming up in just a moment. For quite some time now, I've been telling you about Dawn to Dusk, but I got an email from somebody who decided to give it a try after hearing about it here on Weird Darkness, and, well, I'd like to share his words with you. His name is Mike Weiner, and he says, I bought one order of Dawn to Dusk, and here it is, Monday, and I'm feeling so high energy and happy. Now, to be fair, I had a very busy but really good weekend, and I've been taking one tablet of Dawn to Dusk each day for the last three days, so I thought it might be psychosomatic, but I wasn't thinking about the tablets. 
I wasn't going, okay, do I feel it? Do I feel it? I just have had a lot of energy. And then when your podcast came on, I thought, oh yeah, I started taking these. They must really work. So thank you for recommending Dawn to Dusk. Man, oh man, is it ever worth it. Signed, Mike Weiner. You can try Dawn to Dusk for yourself at BrickHouseWeird.com. That's a special page they designed just for you, my weirdo family. Check it out at BrickHouseWeird.com. You can save 10% off Dawn to Dusk if you use the promo code WEIRD when you check out. That's BrickHouseWeird.com and then use the promo code WEIRD to save 10% off your bottle of Dawn to Dusk. There's a direct link in the show notes as well. This story takes place a few years ago. I was eight years old, and I was scared of the dark. I always told my parents that I could hear voices in the dark. I would scream until they left the light on all night. The voices were not necessarily evil, but they did scare me. Even with the light on in the middle of the night, I would wake up and hear whispers, as I would call them, when telling my mom. She figured they were just my overactive imagination. One morning, around Christmas, I awoke and felt the need to use the bathroom. I walked out from the door and distinctly heard a voice say, Look! and saw a red light, almost like a spotlight, flashing at the bottom of the stairs. There was no explainable source for the light. Being a little kid, I began walking down the stairs to see what it was. That's when I heard him, a very strong voice which was totally different from the first. Not at all like my dad's. It said, Stop right now! Go back up those stairs! After reaching the top of the stairs, I heard a very loud bang that sent me running back to my mother's bed where I jumped straight under the covers and stayed there the whole night. When we awoke the next morning, the lights my mother had put on the railing down the stairs were pulled straight down to the bottom of the stairs, some broken and laying in a single pile. My mother could not explain it. There was nothing missing. Nobody had broken in. There did not seem to be any reason this had happened. I still think about this occurrence quite often, but I do not hear the voices anymore. Was I being protected from beyond the grave? I'd like to think so. This past summer, my husband and I were tending a baby shower for our new baby-to-be. We were staying at my parents' house. There are three entities that reside in my parents' house. This incident took place with an older male spirit who is rarely seen but often felt. The feeling you get from him is one of fear. Even as a child, I remember being afraid of this spirit. We were sleeping in the spare room that is in my parents' basement, and I could feel him staring at us from the corner of the room while we were sleeping. I had to lay facing towards the wall because I could not turn my back on him. We got little sleep while we were there. 
I would just lay in bed and stare into the quarter. I was so scared. I thought that after that first night he would leave us alone and go back to his place in the other room, but he didn't. We were there for a total of three nights and he was in the corner each night, just watching us. I'm not sure if it was just me and my pregnancy or what about this visit was different from others, but he definitely made himself known. Has anyone else had more experiences while being pregnant? In 1998, I was 14 and was spending the summer with a friend and her family in Idaho. At first, everything was perfect and I was very happy sleeping alone in my own room on the third floor. Five nights into my stay, though, I started to wake up every night. Standing in front of me, at the foot of my bed, stood a man looking down at me. I couldn't really see anything, all I saw was a bright white outline and it looked like he had a hat on his head. He would just stand there and stare at me. I would just turn around and stare at the wall and hope he would disappear. I never turned around to see if he had gone away. Eventually, I told the father of my friend who was a pastor about it and he prayed for me and told me I should open my Bible at night so I did. The first morning I woke up to find my Bible was closed, which was very weird. Then the second night I took four heavy things and put them on the corners of my Bible. But the next morning the Bible was closed and had been knocked to the ground. The next night I did it again with bigger and heavier things, but the next morning I woke up and the Bible was torn on the outside. I just left it where it was and moved out of the room. It never happened again. This chilling story happened when I was around 15 years old. My grandmother would spend a lot of time in my room trying to keep it tidy she was a clean freak. One day I came home and found her staring into my closet. She wasn't moving at all, it was like she was suspended in the middle of cleaning the closet. I asked her if she was okay, but she totally ignored me. My 85-year-old grandmother just continued to stare into the closet. Suddenly she turned her head slowly toward me and gave me the coldest of stares. She had the evilest eyes I had ever seen. A chill ran up and down my spine. Those were not my grandma's eyes, I thought. Then she looked away from me and walked into my closet, closing the door behind her. But when I went to my closet, she wasn't there. She had literally disappeared into thin air, completely gone. I froze for a few seconds. Then I yelled for her and heard her say, I'm down here in the kitchen, dinner's almost ready. I ran to the kitchen to find her standing there cooking away. Then I asked her if she was here the whole time. Of course I was, dear, dinner's not going to make itself, she laughed. I mean, she had no idea 
what had gone on upstairs. What did I find in my bedroom that day? I still have no idea. It was the fall of 1978. I was driving in the northern part of Virginia and I was in a very remote area where the hills rolled gently and there were no homes, barns, fences, riding trails, or another motorist. I was really enjoying the scenery when I drove around a curve and there on the left side of the road, about half a mile ahead, was a horse with a rider. As I drove closer to the horse and rider, I noticed what the man was wearing a full Confederate uniform with sleeve markings indicating a high-rank officer. His uniform consisted of the gray in color pants, jacket, and full belt dressing with sword, a sidearm, black hat, riding gloves, and riding boots. As I drove past slowly, I waved and he tilted his hat. I will never forget the expression on his face. It was one of confusion and interest. Being a Civil War historian, I was actually very surprised and enjoyed the experience. This person and his horse seemed as real as I would to you. I could not understand why someone would be dressed in this fashion in the middle of nowhere. He happened to be dirty enough for me to notice from several feet away. His beard looked wild and his hair was longer than the hat would cover. That's when I decided it must be a ghost. This is the only thing that made sense to me. Once I found a place to make a turn, I drove back, and there was no trace of the person. In November 2011, I took my brother Greg to the ER. I was directed to the waiting room while they took an initial look at him. It was very early in the morning, around 2 or so, and unsurprisingly no one else was in the waiting room, so I had a seat to wait on until I could go back. I'd been sitting for a while when a young woman came in and sat down near me. We smiled at each other and I started talking. After a while, a nurse came by, looked over at us, and stopped. Looking at me, the nurse asked if there was something wrong. I answered, no, we're just talking. The nurse looked at me as if I was crazy. Then she said, there's no one in here but you and me. I looked over at the young woman who was still sitting there smiling sadly to see her just slowly vanish. Thanks for listening to this Weekend Archive episode of Weird Darkness. If you like what you hear and you want to hear even more, consider becoming a patron. I post patron-only content and bonus materials as well, including chapters of horror and paranormal books that I'm narrating into audiobooks as I record them. Become a patron by clicking the link in the show notes, or visit WeirdDarkness.com and click on Become a Patron. If you did like the episode, please Share a link to this episode with a couple of your friends and leave a rating and review of the show in the podcast app that you're using right now. I might read your review here in the podcast. 
Stay up to date on everything I'm doing with my newsletter. It's The Marler Sheet. It's free, and you can sign up for it right now at WeirdDarkness.com or look for the link in the show notes. Do you have a dark tale to tell? Share your story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and more. I've got links to all of my social media at the top of the page at WeirdDarkness.com. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Thanks for joining me for this special Weekend Archives episode of Weird Darkness. Hey, weirdos. So the folks at MyPillow, they said, hey, Darren, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? Well, I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow, right? But, well, what did I have to lose? So, you know, I'll tell you what I lost. I lost interrupted sleep. Yeah, no more folding the pillow in half, no more flat, lifeless pillows, no more using two pillows to get comfortable, which I've been doing for years. This really changed the way I sleep for the better. So, I'm letting you know. You need my pillow. Well, not my pillow, but you need a my pillow of your own. Why? Well, it stays cool all night long, so you're not waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. That was always so annoying to me. Uh, it also keeps its shape. You're not reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It also comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So, if you do try it and you decide it's just not for you, no big deal. You can return it. Now, if you do decide to keep it, check this out. It comes with a 10-year warranty. A 10-year warranty. Tell me your pillow has a 10-year warranty. I don't think it does, but my pillow does. And you can toss it right into your washer and dryer and it's like brand new again. Try doing that with your current pillow and see what happens. These are just a few of the reasons I really am loving my pillow. And right now, as a special welcome to the podcast and a special deal for you, my weirdo family, you can get two premium pillows. Those are the good ones. Two premium my pillows for one low price. Just go to mypillow.com and enter the promo code WEIRD. That's mypillow.com and then use the promo code WEIRD. Or you can call 800 945 7192. That's 800-945-7192 or visit MyPillow.com. Either way, just be sure to use that promo code WEIRD. <laughs> 